would be my joy if you would join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we are in the second half of this chapter. Last week, we talked about how Paul defended his ministry and talked about waging war and how we wage war as Christians. And in some sense, last week, we were talking about Paul and maybe the, the playing the role of defense. And this week, Paul goes on the offense. He he goes to talk about these false teachers, these super apostles, these celebrity pastors that are there in Corinth, and he wants to talk about how they are missing true gospel ministry and what, what we've received as gospel ministry from the Lord. So this is what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, beginning in verse 12. He says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us, to, even, to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We don't boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. So that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we know that your word promises earlier in this letter that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Lord, we ask that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit. That your Holy Spirit would illuminate and open up our eyes to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus in your word. And Lord, since where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Lord, we ask that you would set us free this morning from, from any need to compare ourselves with one another any need to try to measure up to one another. Lord, any desire to be approved, to be accepted by anybody else, but Lord, your approval of us in Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us experience the freedom that you have for us in the gospel and that this freedom would set us free to love you with all our hearts and love others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how do you see the world? Let, let me rephrase that. How do you, or, or what is the, the center of your universe on a daily basis? Maybe just the way I'm phrasing that question tells us how a lot of times we see the world. How do you see your universe? 
How do you see your world, the world around you? I mean, if we're honest, and probably we see this in other people, we see this in ourselves, there's only two ways that we really see the world. Only two ways that we really see the world. We either see the world in reference to ourselves. Everything comes back to us. Like like we see ourselves as the center of our universe. Where every day we're asking questions like, is this, this thing I'm doing, is it good for me? Does it make me happy? Does it advance my agenda? Does it get out of life what I want out of life? If this is how you see the world, you are making yourself miserable whether you, you realize it or not. Because you're, sink, you're, you're shrinking the world to make the world all about yourself. And in shrinking the world to make it about yourself, you're shrinking your joy that God created you for to find in him. We all do this in some, in some ways. I know I've done this in so many ways in my life. I think about back to the time when I used to play basketball a lot more. A lot more dangerous these days, but I used to play basketball a whole lot. used to love playing basketball. But when I played basketball, a lot of times my joy did not come. It wasn't tied to whether or not my team won. Oftentimes my joy came with whether or not I had a good game. How many points did I have? How few of mistakes did I have? We could win by 30, but if I played bad, I was probably going home a little frustrated. Or maybe we do this with our families. How are we doing? How am I doing in comparison to other families? Where our joy is rooted completely in how's the health at our house right now or How are our finances right now? Or what are our experiences lately? Or or are things peaceful in my home lately? Sadly, we can even do this with ministry. Where, Where we read in the Lord's Prayer where it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. While our hearts are saying, My kingdom come. My will be done. Do people like that sermon? Do people get encouraged by my ministry? Is our church growing? Do you see how often we can shrink our worlds to make it about me, to to make it about you? Where it's about my family or my job performance or my finances or our health or my ministry. So that's one way to see the world, to see it all about you. But the other way to see the world, the way you were created to see the world, the way God created you was to see everything in in reference to the Lord. Just to see it as though it's his world that he created. That he's the center of it. That this is all created. Everybody in here created for the glory of God. 
That's what Psalm 24 says in verse 1. It says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell within everything in the world for the glory of the one who created them. This is how you see the world rightly. It's why the world was created. It's, it is for your true and lasting joy to see that life is not about you. It's ultimately about the Lord. This is the difference between the heart of the false teachers and the heart of the Apostle Paul. I mean, as we read through this portion of this letter, it's clear that the false teachers had themselves at the center of their universe. Where Paul had the Lord. Paul knew that this is my father's world and I'm simply a humble servant living for his glory. So before we even jump into the passage, maybe it would be good for all of us to stop for a second and just ask our hearts a few questions. Are, are you the reference point? Are you the center of your universe? Or is it the Lord? Are you living to advance your own glory or are you living for the glory of God? Are you boasting in yourself, in your abilities, in your gifts, in your accomplishments? Or is all of your boasting in the Lord? Because the way you answer those questions has everything to do with your joy and everything to do with the peace that you experience today and everything to do of, of whether or not you are at rest this morning or you are restless. I want us to learn from the heart of the apostle Paul to learn from his heart in how he sees the world and that out of that, that the Lord would set us free from boasting in ourselves and that we this morning would boast in Jesus. That we would boast in the Lord and the Lord alone. Because here's the first thing that Paul teaches us. Paul teaches us that it's the Lord's authority that really matters. It's the Lord's authority that really matters. You can tell by Paul's words here from the beginning that the center of the false teachers was themselves. It was all about them. They spent all their days trying to build up their ministries. That They were seeking to gain influence over Paul in the church and over other teachers in the church. They were wanting to increase their importance in people's eyes to advance their kingdoms, not the Lord's. One of the evidences is that, that you know this is true is how they would compare themselves to one another. How they were comparing themselves to Paul and others. They were boasting in their own spiritual gifts. 
boasting in their ministry success, in their spiritual experiences, their abilities to teach more eloquently than this guy or more powerfully than the Apostle Paul. I guess they had never really heard that comparison was the thief of joy. And you could tell by the way that they lived. That's why Paul says with a bit of sarcasm in verse 12, look with me. He says, not that we would dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Paul says, I don't dare to try to compare with these celebrity pastors. Like, how, why would I even try to measure up to these rock star preachers that are here in Corinth? Why would I try to compete with, with their amazing visions and their power and their eloquence and their charisma? But Paul, Paul is using a bit of sarcasm here because he's saying the fact that they're measuring themselves by one another, that they're comparing themselves, themselves to one another, exposes that they have no clue what they're doing. They have no grasp on what gospel ministry is really about. No idea where real power comes from, or they wouldn't be doing this. We have the same problem today with celebrity preachers, right, in the pulpits. Men masquerading as servants of Christ who are really seeking to serve themselves. They want to build their own platforms. They, they care more about increasing followers on Twitter than they do followers of the Lord Jesus. They want to grow their church and they want to tell you about their church and their glorious ministries. They're not consumed with the glory of Jesus Christ. They're just consumed of pursuing glory for themselves. Sadly, we might not see the true fruit of any of their ministries until they're long gone from the pulpits. But before we throw stones from our glass houses, we all must confess today that we too compare ourselves with one another just as much. That a lot of us, we, we too want to measure up. And not just want to measure up, but we want to rise above. And we want to stand out. And we want to perform in a way where we get praised. I mean, don't we see this comparison even in our own hearts? We say things in our hearts, maybe not out loud. Does the, does the church see my true potential? Do they see how I'm gifted? Do they not see that I'm... I have more to offer than this other guy over here. Or, or you say, do the ladies in our church not notice how much I'm growing in grace? Or how much more I'm growing in joy? Or how much more I have of what I want people to think I have than the other person near me? Are the other mothers 
impressed by how I have it all together? Are they not envious of how I can do all of this, maybe more than them? I mean, surely, surely people think my sermon last week was better than what Jody's preaching right now in the pulpit. I mean, we do this all the time. Oh, we try so hard to compare and to measure up. And Paul says in this passage that those who are stuck in comparison expose that you're missing, that it's not about you. It's not about you. None of this is about you. It's not about your effort. It's not about your abilities. It's not about your successes or your experiences or your gifts. It's all about the Lord. It's all about Jesus. Remember back in verse 10 when Paul says, For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. Which the Lord gave. Any authority he has, the Lord gave it. Paul sees things differently. It's the Lord who gives the authority. It's his power working in and through us. It's not us. If you remember reading the book of Acts, it was the Lord who literally knocked Paul off of his high horse. It was the Lord who sent Paul to the Gentiles. It was the Lord who filled him with the Holy Spirit. It was the Lord who gave his word to build his church. Paul says, all I am is just a humble servant seeking to be used by him. And listen, the same is true for every believer in Jesus Christ today. If you have ever had your eyes open to see your sin, it was the Lord. If you've ever seen the beauty of glo- and glory of Jesus that made you run to him, it's the Lord. If you've ever been used by the power of the Holy Spirit to share Jesus with other people, to be used in the ministry in any way, it is nothing but the Lord working through you. Everything good that's ever happened at Christ Fellowship is God's power through God's word, building his church for his glory. You can summarize everything that's happened for 15 years just like that. God did it all for the glory of his name. So really, there's two ways to do ministry. Let's just say this. There's two ways to do life. Not just ministry, but to do life. You can either build it on yourself and you can fuel it by comparison and you can be miserable for the rest of your life or you can rest completely in the Lord. Rest completely in His authority. Rest in His power and walk in the fullness of joy that He has to offer Paul saw, and he's teaching us through the word, that it's the Lord's authority that really matters. None of our authority, none of our power, none of our gifts 
It's the Lord's power that matters. Second of all, he says, it's the Lord's assignment that really matters. Paul wants to remind the church at Corinth now, do you all remember, let's just think back, he's saying together, how did the church of Corinth even come to be? How did the gospel come to your all's hearts in the first place? See, the false teachers or the, the super apostles or the celebrity preachers, whatever you want to call the people there in Corinth that Paul's talking about, they, they swoop in and they're trying to gain influence from the apostle Paul. Trying to tell them, don't listen to Paul, listen to us. We're more eloquent. We're more powerful. We're truly more gifted. These false teachers have come to destroy the foundation that was laid by the Apostle Paul. To build their own platforms in his place and to advance the kingdom, to, to distort, to advance their own kingdom and to take credit for what is taking place. Now, we don't have probably the same issue Today, like, I didn't show up at church this morning, and there was a guy in the foyer that was like, hey, I'm going to preach instead of you today. I'm taking over this morning. Like, we, we don't have that problem. Somebody thinking they're going to do a, a coup here this morning at the pulpit of Christ Fellowship. But, but maybe, maybe the warning for us is that not every YouTube preacher is worthy of your attention. Maybe we should be careful to, to lend our ears to, to every celebrity pastor on the internet rather than the pastors that the Lord have entrusted to your soul. The ones that know you, the ones that are praying for you, the ones that are with you. Not building a kingdom for themselves. Instead, Paul reminds the Corinthians that that this assignment, any of his influence was given by the Lord. Listen to verse 13. But we will not boast beyond limits, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. So Paul says, zoom out. The Lord called me to preach to the Gentiles and even more specifically than that, the Lord gave influence for me to preach at Corinth. The Lord gave the influence for the gospel to come forth in power in Corinth. Do you all remember how the church in Corinth began? Do you remember how the gospel got there? Well, in Acts chapter 18, we read the story of the church at Corinth being planted. And if you read there... Paul comes to the city and he preaches in the synagogue and many of the Jewish leaders reject him. The ministry doesn't, other than a couple people coming to Christ, the ministry doesn't start off wonderfully. Paul's probably a little discouraged there in Corinth. But we read in Acts chapter 18, listen to this. Listen to what happened one night to the apostle Paul. It says, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. 
and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And Paul stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Did you hear? Did you hear where the influence came from, where the assignment came from? The Lord had people in Corinth. The Lord already had his chosen people in Corinth. The Lord was going to save sinners. The Lord was going to give influence. Sure, Paul spoke the words, but it was the word of God going forth powerfully. Sure, Paul shared Jesus, but the Bible is clear that it is God who saves. The salvation belongs to the Lord. And so Paul's wanting to remind the Corinthians they, that they have the gospel because God sent him there. Because God assigned him to this task. Paul wants to remind them that his goal is not his personal agenda, but it's doing the will of God. And Paul says his God-given assignment is not just to preach to you all, once you have the gospel, his desire is to go to places where the gospel is not yet known. He says so that he's not building on somebody else's foundation, which is also a dig at the false teachers who are coming to take the credit and to build on someone else's foundation and destroy what the Spirit has already done in Corinth. You know, there's an application for all of us here. There's an application for all of us to make God's will, to make God's will our greatest agenda. More than anything else in our life, being in God's will, according to God's word, that that would be our agenda, our assignment. We, want, we don't want to take our cues, our assignment from the world. No, we should open up God's word and seek to find God's will in his word. We, we don't want to try to set our agenda for our own lives. No, we should want to submit completely to the Lord and his will for our lives. We don't want to try to gain influence over others around us and rob God of his glory. No, we want everything to be done to point people to Jesus. God doesn't need a bunch of puppet kings trying to build their kingdom. He just needs humble servants wanting to do his will. But you know, maybe there's a more specific application for some, somebody here this morning. Maybe somebody here this morning, maybe the Lord wants to use verse 16 when Paul says this, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Maybe that, that's your calling this morning. I mean, even as Matt prayed earlier for unreached people, unengaged peoples who will be born today, people all over the world who will be born today, who will live their whole lives and die without hearing of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unreached and unengaged. 
So, so maybe this morning the, the calling is not that you stay in Bowling Green. Maybe it's not that you even join a team in Central Asia or go to Kenya or, or go to some place where the church is on the rise. Maybe God's calling you to go to a place where no one's ever heard. No one's ever heard the name of Jesus. And to share the good news of the gospel. Just like Paul would go, don't want to build on another foundation. I don't want to go where the gospel's ever been, where the church is already thriving. I want to go where people need Jesus. Overall, though, is the greatest joy of your life to be found in the center of God's will. Because really, you're going to be miserable outside of God's will. That's how God created the world, that you would see it with him at the center and all things for his glory and you doing all of your life for him. It's the Lord's authority that matters. It's the Lord's assignment for our lives that really matters and nothing else. Finally, we see it's the Lord's approval that matters. It's the Lord's approval that matters. See, see when your reference is always yourself, you're always referencing yourself, when, when you're the center of your universe, like the commercials are telling you to be, like every movie and every book we read is telling it to make it about us. When your reference is yourself, you'll, you'll either be puffed up with feelings of superiority because you think you're so much better than others, or you'll be crushed with feelings of inferiority because you always feel less than others. I think those are the ditches you'll fall in the rest of your life when your life is all about you? Am I, am I feeling like I'm measuring up and superior to others or am I feeling less than and can't compare? Now, see, we don't know the names of the false teachers. Paul doesn't mention their names. We don't know the names or even the faces of these false teachers, but we do know their hearts because we know our hearts. We know their hearts because we know our hearts and we know the destruction that comparison does in us. It's an exhausting life when you have to become your own PR agent. And that's what they were doing, the false teachers, right? When you're all about promoting yourself or making sure people see your successes or always performing for someone's approval, whether that's in your family or whether that's at your workplace or whether that's the people on Instagram from your school or your friend group. It's exhausting, always hoping that people will be impressed by your gifts, your experiences. We can even get really good at this where we know, like, what are the things that I can do that I don't really want anybody to see, but I also kind of want them to see, you know, Anything to measure up. Anything to be better than. Anything to compare or rise above others around us. I think, I think our culture right now struggles with this. I would say almost every person in this room struggles with this more than you realize. 
I remember one time seeing an advertisement in a Baptist paper, a paid advertisement for a revival preacher who you could have come to your church. And it was an advertisement there in the Baptist paper with a phone number and email, a ways that you can contact this person. And one of the quotes in there, it says, it said, known to make the hardest sinner repent at the altar. That's how a guy was advertising himself. Known to make the hardest sinner repent at the altar. Clearly this, a PR ad for a man who clearly had no clue about the task. Clearly had no understanding about what this is all about. Claiming that he could do only what God could do. But there's a freedom that's offered to every one of us in Jesus. When you're referenced It's not always about yourself. You're not the center of your universe, but Jesus is the center. When it's not about you promoting yourself, or as Paul says here, your self-commendation of yourself, or even about someone else's approval of you, no, all that matters is the Lord's approval. Or that all that matters to you when you wake up in the morning is the Lord's smile over your ministry. The Lord's smile over your parenting. The Lord's smile over the work that you're doing in the workplace. The Lord's delight in you because you are his. That's what Paul says in the very last verse. He says, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Listen, brothers and sisters, The Lord wants to free you from having to commend yourself to rest in his commendation of you. Where you don't have to seek the approval of others, but you can rest completely in the approval you already have in Christ. Where the only evaluation that matters when you wake up in the morning is not anybody else's, and it's not even your own. It's just the Lord's and his delight over your life. This is the difference between Christianity and other religions. It's the the difference between the exhausting world of Islam and it's the difference between an exhausting, gospelless, Bible Belt Christianity that's about you trying really hard to be enough. You trying really hard to be better, to do enough so God would delight in you. Rather, the true gospel is about resting in the finished work of Christ. Resting in his perfectly righteous life given to you in the gospel. In his perfectly substitutionary death that he died for you in the gospel. And his glorious resurrection that sets you free from needing approval because you have it in Jesus, in the gospel. It's finding your approval in Christ alone. 
I read a quote this week that laid me low from Dane Ortland. Now I'm going to read the whole thing because I, I pray that it lands on you. And this is what it is. It says this, Paul's, this is what he says about this passage. Paul's opponents are locked in the prison of self-referentiality. All they know how to do is measure and compare themselves with one another. This is what the flesh loves to do. Listen to what he says. It's the nicotine of the soul for someone functioning out of gospel deficit. When our hearts are not alive to the full and free approval of God, we will naturally vacuum up approval anywhere else we can find it. Is that not true? It's the nicotine of the soul for someone functioning out of gospel deficit. How can I be enough? How do I measure up? How do I compare? Is there a gospel deficit in your heart this morning? And listen, it's not because there's any lack in Jesus. It's because there's a lack of you resting in him. Pray that your heart would grasp that this morning. It's not because there's a lack in the fullness of Christ. It's because you're just lacking a rest in him. Like, is your heart this morning resting in the full and free and final approval of God in Jesus? Or are you seeking approval from something else or someone else that could only be found in Jesus? I mean, Paul reminds the Corinthians throughout this whole passage that it's not about you. It's all about the Lord. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord's authority over you. It's all about the Lord's assignment for you. It's all about the Lord's approval of you. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And that's why he sums it all up by quoting in verse 17 from Jeremiah 9. He says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you want to brag about something, brag about Jesus. If you want to boast in something, boast in the fullness of Christ. If you want to point somewhere, point to Jesus. Not to yourself. I mean, let me just read the whole passage from Jeremiah 9 because it's so beautiful. It says this, thus says the Lord. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 through 24. So good for our hearts. It says this. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Paul's inviting us not to boast in your wisdom. We don't boast in our riches. We don't boast in our power. We don't boast in our ability. We boast in Jesus. 
Don't you want that kind of freedom? What would it look like not to see everything and hear everything and filter everything through you being the center of your world? What if the Lord was at the center of it all? What if everything about today was about knowing God and making him known? All about not boasting in myself, but boasting that I know Jesus. He knows me and he delights in me. That's the freedom that I want. That's the freedom that every single person woke up this day looking for. And here's the truth. The world is offering you this kind of freedom and saying you can find it in yourself and they are lying to you. They're offering you this kind of freedom, saying you can find it yourself, and they're making you a slave to yourself. But Jesus is offering this kind of freedom in himself. The freedom of self-forgetfulness. The freedom of resting in all that he can be for you in himself. In the fullness of Jesus. As Charles Spurgeon once beautifully said, forget yourself and think only of Christ. Forget yourself and think only of Christ. Let the one who boasts, let the one who boasts, boast in him. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would set us free this morning that you would set us free from the need to measure up, to compare, to be enough in and of ourselves. And Lord, you would give us the fullness of Jesus, that we would have all our sins forgiven because of Jesus' death on the cross, that we would be fully loved, fully delighted in because he were covered in his righteousness, that we would have fullness of life because of his resurrection. Lord, help us find freedom that you have for us in the gospel. Lord, there's so many people here who know that they're slaves, that they're consumed with themselves who need Jesus to be the answer, who need to rest fully and finally in Jesus. Lord, there's people here this morning, Lord, who don't see that they're slaves who are living for themselves, whose every second is consumed with themselves. And Lord, they're slaves and they don't see the misery that they bought into. Lord, set them free through Jesus. Lord, help us turn away from ourselves. Help us forget ourselves. Help us Rest in the fullness of all that you, our Father, our good Father, gives to us in Jesus. And that we would boast in him and him alone. Lord, nothing in our lives, our salvation, this church, Lord, our work, our parenting, our families, 
Nothing in this world, Lord, can can steal the glory that you deserve because it's all your power. It's all about you. And Lord, I pray that you would set us free so that we would live that way. Lord, would you do this for the glory of your name? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.